You are now listening to Out of the Blank. Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Jesse Pepin. Hello. How you doing, Robbie? So, Jesse, tell me a little bit about yourself, man. Uh, well, I'm a 36-year-old guy out in the Seattle area, and uh, I, I actually met you through a podcast uh, page that we're both on on Facebook because I do one also uh, called Cheeky Shenanigans. And uh, so I, I listened to an episode or two of yours, and you had invited me to come on, so... Yeah, I'm just stoked to actually be on someone else's show for a change. Yeah, man. I think it's always cool to get new guests and just people that are kind of doing the same. Th- I mean, we're all doing the same thing. We're all trying to talk and trying to get a bunch of people to listen. I think it's the whole concept of I found an attraction with just listening to all these cool people that are out there in the world that we're not taking the advantage of kind of understanding in a way. Yeah, yeah. And what 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 was it about that thought process that really made you go, okay, my solution for this is to start a podcast? I think it was like I was introvert for so long that I was like, maybe it's time people connect one again. Like, I don't have a number or a buddy that calls me every single day. Uh, Snapchat's now my main source of communication. And most of the time, <laughs> I'm just sending pictures of my shit to somebody. So... <laughs> what do you focus on in your podcast cheeky shenanigans ours is mostly comedy and uh we we do episodes it's me and a co-host we do some by ourselves and then sometimes with guests but we don't really do like interviews or anything we just plug someone new into the equation and try to have a good conversation which is sounds like what is your goal also yeah, mine's a little – I think it's probably a lot easier when you're dealing with a co-host too because when you have another person, they're bringing in a whole other thought process into the conversation. Yeah. Uh, it's it's difficult because I'm trying to ask as many things as I want to know and also I'm, I really do it for my whole intention. Like I'm like everything I ask you, everything I talk about is stuff I want to know. So like yeah. it limits people because someone's like you had this guy on but you didn't ask this question. I'm like, well, I didn't <laughs> know to ask that question. I'm sorry. And yeah, it didn't come up organically in the conversation. Yeah, it's like because you 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 see where the some conversations go. Like I'll post an episode and someone be like, "I don't think it's my speed." I'm like, "What do you mean?" Like I don't know. It seems like it was like a bland conversation. I was like, "That's (laughs) also where we took it. Like it's not just bland. It's just if that person is getting off of a shift or something and they want to do a podcast, it's two o'clock in the morning, and they're like, I like to do uh." (laughs) like like for me on my day off, I'm podcast with people from Australia starting at one o'clock in the morning my time and I don't get done until 10 p.m 11 p.m that night and then sometimes okay. it'll even take me into the next day where I do like 20 podcasts in two days two hour conversations or hour conversations I'm like because I enjoy doing it I like I find that my batteries get recharged when I start talking to someone that's a really, really good point. And I, I think that was kind of when, when we started our show last year, that was kind of our thing too, is not only do we have a limited number of people that we talk to as friends, but there's also, it, it's really hard to just sometimes speak what's honestly on your mind, at least out here on the West Coast. People are so repressed and so against saying anything that might offend anybody that we were both, we both kind of just hit this point where we're like, we want to have a real conversation again. And, you know, censorship and throw the PC stuff out the window, we're not trying to offend anybody, but we need to be able to just talk like ourselves and maybe plug some other people into that conversation. And the response has been pretty good so far. So I think you're probably on the right track too, man. What types of things do you focus on with your podcast? Like, do you have bring up any specific topics or you just kind of let it go? Uh, well, we, we normally let it go. We have like one or two things that we do each time we have a guest. Uh, number one, we always ask them what their most embarrassing sex story is. And, uh, you have one two, of those. Oh yeah. Yeah. You want one of mine? Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Let's get the, right. host, let's get the <laughs> take on this. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so how, how explicit 
would you like this version? Because it's real conversation. So if you feel like dropping some motherfuckers, go ahead, but don't hide any content because <laughs> I would like to maybe uh, have some reference in my own personal life here too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Um, and I don't swear a whole lot anyway, but sometimes when you're telling a sex story, you got to be a little crude. So um, my my favorite one is I had gone over to this girl's house late at night and she was like an on again, off again, friend with benefits kind of thing. And uh, so go over there and she really likes to go down on you for a while before you get going with other stuff. So she did that and it was awesome. Then, you know, we a couple times. But as soon as I got in my car to drive home, I started feeling like this tingly burning like down there. So I'm thinking, I'm totally thinking like, oh my God, this girl gave me herpes that acts so fast I can already feel them. You know, I'm really scared. It's that immediate like easy age or (laughs) not easy AIDS, easy E shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Close enough, easy AIDS. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I I was just so worried, but it was also like 3 a.m. at this point. So by the time I got home, I just went to bed, thought I'd deal with it in the morning. About 6 a.m., I get up to go to the bathroom. And, you know, I I stand at the toilet, drop my pants, and I'm going. And then I realized that my finger's stuck. And I looked down, and there was like two or three, maybe even four pieces of like mint gum chewed up that she had left, you know, down around it when she was going down on me and it got like stuck in my pubes and stuff. And it was a relief that it wasn't AIDS, but it was also like, okay, now what? Now I got to cut all this out. <laughs> giant ass questions. One, you yeah. didn't look at your dick after that until the next day. Uh, I, I just, I got home and I fell right to sleep. I figured there was nothing I could do about it at 3 a.m. I might as well wait and deal with it in the morning. You know, I had some people do, uh, recently that do a sex podcast. It's like a bunch of women. They were like, why is it every single time a guy gets what he wants, he's immediately like tired and doesn't want to do anything? I'm like, <laughs> fucking drained us. You, yeah. About everything. I always like, all right. So Joe Rogan talks about like, before you hang out with a girl to decide if you truly like her, you should probably masturbate first. That is 100% true because you are not in the critical thinking when you're pumped up with all this fuel and rage of testosterone or whatever you want to call it. Oh, for sure. You're totally right about that. I mean, and it's not even just about sexual decisions. Like, if you're thinking, I'm so hungry, I could go eat McDonald's, but then you rub one out real fast, you'll probably be like, oh, you know what? I could, I could just go for the salad tonight. Yeah. You know, like it, it calms you down. It makes you think clearer. Well, it, I think it overwhelms you. I think a lot of what people deal with nowadays is they become overwhelmed too quickly and they look for like the easiest solution possible when it's probably not a sustainable one. I think it's the same. Like if, if you're going to choose like who you sleep with, your decisions and standards get really, really, really low when you're drunk and when you haven't done it <laughs> in a very long time. Yeah, yeah. There's pitfalls not only in the decision making, but then if you haven't done it in a long time, then 30 seconds later, it's over and she's laughing at you behind your back. <laughs> yeah, you got you got to you got to make sure that like if you're walking around and you see a cat's asshole or something, you're not getting turned on. That's a point you need to look at. Like maybe I need to set out a date and time for me to be able to at least give myself this little bit of relief. <laughs> man you you're pretty insightful for a, a person of your age i gotta be honest you know that's <laughs> funny how you say it when we're talking about this because most of the time when people say that about me they're like it's talking about like how society works and like all these really really educated things i'm like i could be educated on the stupid stuff too but that stupid stuff affects our lives just as much as the major stuff I would say it affects it more because of all the stupid things guys guys will do to get laid and all the stupid guys that girls settle for. So, I mean, there's plenty of material to work with there, but I I think that someone who's insightful in real issues, like tangible things, is more valuable these days than someone who might be a slightly better scientific mind because there's, there's way more practical need for insight and for empathy these days um than even you know pushing our boundaries in space or whatever is my kind of personal opinion well i think we all think we're all pushed down in a certain way and i'm like we are kind of all experiencing this life but we don't truly know how to deal with it in the correct means we choose to you know 
focus on what we want at that moment rather than what we need. We choose on being uh, like just we want everything now and not in anything that might come down the process. When you hear someone like make a list of stuff you want and what you want to obtain in life, you know, that question goes through their head one ear and then out the other. They don't truly look at like, oh, I, I'm not going to get it right now. I'm like, no, you got to wait a minute. You know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of the problems with relationships, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about like, oh, she wasn't right. She wasn't this. I'm like, but did you try? Yeah. Well, yeah. She, she didn't, she didn't, uh, she didn't, uh, she didn't do the dishes. I didn't like, that. it's like, did you talk, <laughs> did you talk to her about it? No, I just, I kind of broke up with her after a couple of years and decided she just wasn't going to change. I was like, you didn't bring it to her attention. No. Yeah, okay. Then we're, we're having an ira- irrational argument. Okay. I yeah. Just, like you can't, you can't not bring something up. A lot of people <laughs> just go like, they'll fix it. I'll just keep like bugging myself about it until they end up fixing it. It's like, well, bring it to their attention. So they know that there's something they need to fix. Yeah. Yeah. Communication is just for, for as much more that we talk to people these days, we communicate less because there's so many walls put up about what's okay to say. Or, you know, if you're a guy, you're still expected to be strong and silent about some things. And if you're a girl, you're probably tired of people assuming that when you're upset, it's just due to hormones or something. So there's repression on both sides that's made the, the real communication difficult. I think we make communication difficult when we start playing these fake personas or characters on anything we do. It seems like you're experiencing it more in life. I think that's really strange how we have taboo subjects you can't really talk about in public. Um, like uh, uh, Christina Pazitsky, she's a famous comedian. She talks about how the fact like she thinks a, a comedian's really, really like something's wrong with him if he doesn't crack a joke about his dick. <laughs> and I'm like, that's true in the aspect of Cosby, for sure. He was completely different than what we all thought. But I also think when you start just mentioning it all the time, you got to like, it's like the guy that drives the 20 the foot truck and drives like a super big diesel. He's overcompensating for something. Yeah. I think if you start looking at stuff like that, like stereotypes, like, oh, he bet, you know, he's, he's eight foot tall. He probably had, you know, okay, stop looking at that because you're already <laughs> considering it like a taboo subject. Nobody can talk about their dick at the dinner table. Nobody's going to talk about these things because they're not meant for that. But now you're seeing it where people feel like they're oppressed. Like everyone's like, oh, I don't want to show this side of me because someone might uh, think it's weird or different. You know, I'm like, yeah, we we all don't do everything the same. Nobody masturbates the same. I'm pretty sure some do probably does it with candles or something like that. Like it's everyone has their (laughs) own thing. And you think not Jim. Not Jim that works the nine to five. Jim's a nice, normal guy. Jim Jim has a family. Jim has kids. Jim's not a freak. That dude's fucking batshit. He likes to be choked <laughs> off of a ceiling fan with a coat hanger up his ass. Because of the concept of we all have this oppression in us. Like we want to, we like, we're, we're suppressed constantly. But we feel we get to the point where we can't truly be free. Why is it the only comfortability factor you ever truly are 100% free, not giving a shit what you're doing, is when your room is shut or your door's locked and that's the only time you're the only one in there, you can truly be yourself. You can take the fucking bat suit out of the closet. You can do whatever the hell you want. But yeah, I, I think more people need to have that mindset in everyday life. That does not mean go walk around the store naked, but that means don't be afraid of what you're interested in. Because it's you're only going to make it weird when you start looking at it like that. Like, oh, I can't tell them I dress up like a chipmunk on the weekends and go to work. <laughs> if, if, you don't, if you don't express that, there's going to be people that have the same thing as you. There's going to be some people that are batshit crazy when it comes to what they like. Yeah, and I, I think that you're driving right back around to like the, the beginning of our podcast. Uh, because, you know, I, I for my entire 20s, I lived trying to view myself through other people's eyes so that people would like me. And that's a big fucking waste of time. But in my 30s, that's calmed down. And I'm not as social as I used to be. So when I would be at home alone, I, I, I wasn't talking to anybody. I wasn't really doing anything. And I realized like there's, you know, you got to start pushing yourself. So I made myself try stand up comedy, which is a lot of fun, forced myself to start this podcast so that you know, I'm talking there, you're forming connections, not only getting conversations out for others to hear, but even just me and my co host you know, we're, we're growing in our dialogue between each other, you know, even if it's just stupid 
dick jokes or whatever, we're still getting more and more comfortable at least being able to have those talks with one person. You know what I mean? Well, sadly, when you a lot of people, at least when they're in high school, when they're graduating, they think that this group of friends that they're going to have, like going, spending nights at people's houses, that does not happen when you get older. You get disconnected from your friends, but it's very hard to keep that loyalty and that friendship there when at least the problems of life kind of suffice in. Like my buddy, me and him, uh, you know, I told him I wanted to start a podcast, told him I was getting a little bit bored with things that were going, just felt like I was just doing the same shit all the time. I kind of wanted just to start one. and. We started one in the first episode. We're just vibing about shitting in other people's houses and stuff. Him doing HVAC, me working in a hotel. And it was just a concept like any podcast that's starting out, I tell all the guys that are all starting out, all the girls that are starting out, tell them it's going to take a minute. It's going to take a few episodes to where you actually vibe free. And I've, I've talked to these yeah. people on my podcast and you hear them like, yeah, okay. And they're just giving me one word responses. And I'm like, <laughs> this is the change. This is what this is the before and after. You're gonna yeah. you're gonna see yourself. I look back at my last episodes and I'm like, I see where I developed a bit of a vibe now. I see where I'm kind of taking the show in a direction for the first minute. And then someone throws me through a weird sex story about gum on their fucking dick. And then I'm next <laughs> thing I know I'm in a whole nother universe. But that's the awesomeness of it. And that's what adapted to my form. A lot of people get stuck with like, we're gonna have to create a list of things we're gonna have to talk about this and we're and i it really weirds me out when i hear people go like we're only looking for people ages and then they give like a specific range of like five years i'm like but that narrows you so much but it works for them because they can vibe that way for me i need an open source i put Everybody is available. Everybody's on the table. Let's try and make this happen. Whether I'm losing sleep or not, I'm trying to get this information because I'm out here to hear everybody's story. Yeah. And on top of that, like, it's cool if you really want to be niche and go for a a five year block of audience. But if you go to like a rock concert or uh, any type of concert or live event, you not only see one type of people. Hey, Jesse. Yeah. All right, there we go. I about to say, your mic was a little bit muffled there for a minute. Sounded like we were going through a tunnel of despair. <laughs> no, sorry about that. Just getting used to this little headset thing. Um, but no, like if you go to a concert or a live event or something like that, you don't only see one group of people. It doesn't matter if it's like a metal show. You're not only seeing stereotypical metal heads there. You're seeing older people who might enjoy the music or are bringing their grandkids or what, whatever. There's a huge amount of people that you would never necessarily expect who might connect with whatever you're doing. So to limit yourself or to try and stick to a rigid structure, it really, it's putting limitations and kind of putting a box back around something that in its purest form could really allow you to, you know, get outside that box and explore topics and guests that you never would have thought of. I find it really funny when like someone messaged me like, here, call me at this time. I'll be able to podcast. I'm like, all right, sure. And next thing I know, I set up, he's like driving a forklift in a store. And I'm like, uh, should I get back another time? He goes, no, I'm, I'm free. And he's like driving a forklift. I'm like, sir, you're driving a forklift. Shouldn't you be uh, paying attention to what you're doing? He goes, no, I'm fine. I'm like, yeah, I'm not worried about you. I'm worried about the people around you because you're going to be like getting into about alien conspiracy theories. Next thing you know, you tip over a crate of toilet paper on some old man that's just trying to get his life kind of situated. Right. Or on the flip side, you can be worried about your show too because if he does suddenly have to concentrate for a second, he might not actually be listening to whatever it is you're saying or might kind of forget his flow. And then he's ground the show to a halt. So, like, I, I always try to make sure I'm going to be able to give you my full attention. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that's much appreciated. But I also enjoy the fact that, like, someone gets disconnected for a minute because the whole idea is we're all disconnected as it is already. Half the time I have people on and they're literally just sitting there like, yep, yeah. And then it's like, <laughs> where's the where's the conversation there, bro? Like, I don't edit my podcast. So the, everyone's going to hear the vibe of the whole conversation, whether you cough, whether you accidentally fart in the background, that's getting put up there. I think yeah. the whole concept of you start editing, I did for the first couple, it was such a tasking process. But it's like, I'm losing real parts to the conversation where someone says something and I have to go back and edit it out. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, the first time I tried to start a podcast was probably five years ago 
with a different friend and we had a great, you know, give and take, but I, I was locked into the idea that I was going to have to edit the show because we couldn't deliver whatever we wanted to on the, you know, on the first try without problems. That was my thought process. And it, it was so much extra work that it started to become uh, like not something I looked forward to. So that didn't last. But with this one, we're, we're the same as you. You hear every mistake. That's why our old season one episodes are still up, even though like sometimes a mic isn't working or something. Like we wanted everyone to be able to see the entire progression to whatever it's become now. And it's, you know, it's, it's a lot more fun to, to see where you've come from and, you know, to always keep that in mind, no matter what you end up doing later, you know? Now, do you look back at those podcasts and when you hear yourself talk or something, you're like, Oh my God, like, Oh, <laughs> no way. Cause I've heard some of my old episodes. I try not to listen to my stuff mostly cause I remember everything with every single person I've ever had on, but yeah. I listen to my old stuff. I'm like, did I just say that? Did I just ask that dumbass question? It makes me want to invent a time travel machine to the point where I want to go back and slap myself across the head. But obviously, <laughs> I see growth from it. I've seen understanding. I've heard experiences from people all over the globe, from Jamaica, from Australia, from Canada, from every single, almost every single state. Like, uh, it's it's amazing to hear everybody's rationalization on at least what the world is. Everyone kind of comes down to the same concept that people aren't real anymore. People are just choosing to be in a comfortable life because going out after what they want is just a little too damn hard to get. Or too scary to do because you know that if you go and give it your best shot and fail, you don't have any type of a scapegoat or a, a excuse for that. So a lot of people don't bother trying in the first place. Yeah, well, failure sucks. Rejection sucks. But guess what? It makes you better as a person. You know, you you miss 90% or 99% of the shots you don't take. Like, I, yeah. I'm pretty sure that was a motivational poster that was staring me in the face all the times I was in detention. That one and the Yoda <laughs> one that says, do or do not, there is no try. Yeah. I said that to someone in a podcast and they said, yeah, they're just placeholders. And I was like, fuck you. I put so much invested of my life effort into what Yoda said, where I thought I should structure myself as a young Yoda. Has anyone ever uh, given you that nickname or anything yet? Yoda? Yeah. Uh, to make fun of me in school for being like four feet tall, sure. <laughs> Ouch. Well, I mean, if you keep this up, you will. Uh, I, I, I hear a lot of myself from, you know, 15 years ago, just in this conversation and uh you're gonna end up having some people some friends or whatever they are coming to you for a lot of advice you know in the coming years man so actually, i just i hope you're ready for that that's how my podcast actually got started um yeah i had a buddy that called me uh i hadn't talked to him five years out of high school i just sat with him at a lunch table and just always really nice to him i always tell people like i'm i'm real as can be you know I'll curse. I'll do whatever. Just I, I don't try and play a character. I don't say, how's your day going? No, I, I don't do that unless I truly care. You know, when yeah. I ask someone how their day is going, like I podcast with Romanian kids I work with, Bulgarians I work with, and I've said this on end in my podcast, like they know when I ask them how their day is going, I truly give a shit. I want to know their life. I want to know everybody's life. I truly care about you, Jesse. I truly care about the people, everyone. I, when I want to know something, I want to know something. And if I think something's wrong, I'm going to say something's wrong. But I also try and see everybody's perspective. And my buddy called me. I hadn't talked to him in five years since like lunch table, whatever. It's like that social interaction you get at lunch and you're like, yeah. And every time you're at lunch, you just strike up a little bit of small chat. And he's like, I just wanted you to know that I know we never talk and I know we're not really friends, but you were always nice to me and really appreciated me and you were always real to me. And I was like, yeah, man. And then we ended up talking for hours till like three o'clock in the morning. And he was like talking about all this depression that he was going through, standing on top of his roof at that moment, drunk about to like look off the edge and just jump. And I was Damn. telling him, I was like, dude, I'm, he's like, you're giving me such good advice, man. Thank you so much. And I'm like, dude, I can't give you any advice because I'm going through it myself. We're all struggling yeah. in this world. I think it just takes, two people to talk and just be able to bring us off that ledge. And I've had people go, uh, come on to my podcast and it's been a form of therapy. I have podcasts from my very start that I will not release back when I was dealing with psychology in school. Yeah. Um, 
I won't release them because they were such moments where I, I, I was telling them we're gonna do a podcast. He's like, I don't know, man, I'm just not, just not the right mindset. And I would literally give them this form of therapy in the podcast. And then afterwards they'd be like, please put that up. That's going to help somebody's life. I'm like, no, because I didn't do that to do that aspect of it. I did it because I wanted to see in a selfish way if I could get you to lower your guard with a little recorder sitting in front of us. But I wanted you to show that you can truly express how you feel about something to anybody. To any, There's a difference between projecting your problems that you have in life randomly on some stranger. Then there's projecting your problems in a way where you just want help you just need it. You know, Kyle, um, yeah. I think his name was, was Kevin Hines or Kyle Hines, the guy that jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge that said that if someone would have just said hello to him on the bus while he was crying or just stopped to ask if he was okay, he wouldn't have taken the steps off the bus to take the jump. And mm. I, I heard that and I was like, holy shit. How many times have I ignored somebody because I thought they were going to be too much of a problem in my life just with their amount of problems? And I said, that's a problem I need to fix in my own life. And I'm working on doing that. You know, I see instead of the person at the store that, you know, is screaming at some person, I don't see them as someone that is just an asshole. I see them as someone that's probably going through some major shit right now and they don't know how to deal with it properly. So this is the easiest way for them to get their anger out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and so that that has all the hallmarks of a pretty severe empath, which is another thing that I can kind of, okay. you know, Hang show on. in common with you. Yeah. Thank you. You believe in that too? Oh, of course. Of course. I did not used to believe in all this stuff, but like my mom's a heavily like psychic energy healing. Like, let me put my hands on you to heal you with energy. And at that point, I'm like, I know you're trying to calm me down. You're, I'm trying to eat, and you're <laughs> you're putting your hands in front of my face. Like I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you, but it's still there. It's yeah. just pissing me off even more. Also, the aroma candles. No sense and relaxation. More like sense mixed with koala ass. I can't smell. <laughs> and well, I, no. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, like the empath thing. She's like, do you ever get like strong emotions? Someone? Yeah, I'll walk into a store and I can literally sense if someone's a good person or not. And I try and kind of talk that up and they're like, oh, that's, that's just, that's just a superpower or that's fake. No, it's like a psychic ability. I've podcasted with people that can see dead people. I can podcast with people that see these types of things, whether I believe it or not, not, I think it's just out of the realm of my understanding, but I think it's like a radio. We have different frequencies that people can tap into. Yeah, for sure. And I, I'm not going to go so far as to say that I believe in psychic energy necessarily, but I heavily believe in severe level empathy just because you see it all the time. You see people who lack it, like sociopaths or just assholes. And then you see people who always are like, you know, trying to go out of their way to help people and always giving of themselves and, you know, always giving people the benefit of the doubt thinking, oh, this guy's not just being a dick to me. He's having a really bad day about something, you know, that's, that's an empathy that is clearly not in common supply because it's so rare to meet other people who are at that same level. You know, a person like you or a person like me can probably tell another empath a mile away because it's the only other person who's like getting out of people's way instead of bumping into them and stuff like that. You know, it's, it's a bunch of little choices based on what you interpret from other people. But I won't say that I would rule out psychic stuff because if you think about it this way, we have, you know, our senses, you know, sight, taste, touch, sound, all that, because we have organs that we've evolved to be able to sense them. So there could be other things that are on a psychic level or a spiritual level that we just don't have physical equipment to interpret. So that would become stuff you can't explain. I never used to kind of believe in this stuff until I kind of hit like maybe like a couple of months ago, only yeah. on the concept of when like an empath is just someone who's kind of sensitive. But if you look up what an empath is, it's highly dominant characteristic or ability found in women. And it's not really seen in men. Only on the yeah. concept of a, there being a connection with emotions. Yeah. Now, there are people in the world that are really out for themselves and they have an aggressive way of handling things. And that's those people that don't really have an empath 
type feeling. They're not in a sensitive connection to people as a general whole. I yeah. find it very strange that I only can really function well when people are going to bed and when people before they're awake. Only on the concept of I don't have all these rushing feelings hitting me. Now, what's yeah. really strange is if someone in my household is off or like in an upset mood, I can sense that. I yeah. can just sit there. It's not like they're being pissed off and slamming stuff around. It's just like they walk in through the door. I immediately get the feeling of like, oh, shit, you've had a rough ass day today. And even when yeah. I'm sleeping, I can feel through my, my fucking wall that my neighbor is going through some shit. I'm like, this is hard as hell to deal with. And my mom, she knew this long before I was anywhere near this realm. And this is where I found it kind of weird, but I can't rule it out. Like I said, I think there might be an afterlife only on the concept of, I don't know because I haven't experienced it yet. Yeah. But she told me she talked to the person who made the show ghost whisperer, the one with Jennifer love Hewitt. Yes. That's yeah. that's sexy little ditty. Now <laughs> she's she, gorgeous. Yeah. She now that show is based off a guy that wrote multiple books on psychic abilities. And he talks about people that have clairvoyance, all these types of things that have been recorded through history that might be brought up as witchcraft. And my mom goes, Hey, um, I have this son of mine and the guy stopped stopped her and said, is his name Robbie? And she goes, yeah. And he goes, he's going to be a very powerful empath one day. And my mom knew this years before I even started sensing an ability or having these types of, of being able emotional kind of recognition in, of other people. And yeah. she, she told him her that. And Next thing you know, my mom's telling me this like a couple of months ago, and she found this out like years, years ago when I was little. And I'm yeah. like, I'm hearing it. And I'm like, what the hell? Am I part of some ancient Chinese, like, like the chosen one tradition or no? I just think people have a type of connection, not only to the world that they live in, but connection to the people around them when they actually truly give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. And that connection, it could be something spiritual that we can't really define yet, or it could be something very, very instinctual in that maybe people with high levels of empathy are able to sense or notice, you know, micro expressions and shifts in temperature and smell and stuff like that. Maybe there's a, you know, a basic physiological explanation for why someone's able to pick up on that stuff better than other people. But whatever the cause is, it's very rare. And I find that most high-level empaths that I know usually end up needing a lot of time to recharge, uh, a lot of time to spend by yourself, a lot of time, you know, even if like you were mentioning earlier. But if she's asleep or away, I can completely recharge. Don't have to say anything to anyone you don't want to. And then you can go back out and you can start sensing that stuff again. You know, have you found that at all? Yeah. In my psychology class, I used to take these uh, courses. I would be a little discussion that you would get like once every week and they would deal with severe mental health issues where you would see people go through the worst possible things ever. Like a child that's eight years old experiencing these types of aggressive tantrums to the point where he's beating up and literally his family's like, when he gets older, there's no way we're going to be able to stop him. Like he's trying to set everybody on fire in this house right now. it would it would show you through this life of these people for 45 minutes and i would watch these at like five o'clock in the morning when on like um just my school day and before i would even head to school and i literally would go downstairs and people would be like, like my family members would be like you okay and i'm like don't talk to me for the rest of the day i'm just gonna go upstairs <laughs> and lie down and like literally it would throw me in such a mood where i felt like i was like hurt you know what i mean and yeah. I, I do get that sometimes. Sometimes I walk into somewhere and I'm like, I don't feel like talking today. And they're like, why? I'm like, because I have just been filled with a bunch of negative energy or emotion to the point where I just don't feel like I can truly be beneficial to anybody with anything I say at this moment. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't even always necessarily have to be that you went through something hard or you saw something hard, but sometimes it can also just be an exhaustion of you you have to deal with all of that extra sensory perception for other people's emotions so much more often than other people do that sometimes it just wears you out to even have people around you, you know? 
it's it's yeah it's that's why a lot of them are very introvert i talk it up to there's two types of people that really have it bad the types mm-hmm. of people that are working jobs that are like one o'clock in the morning like till like 8 a.m when the people start awakening like all the other people it's part of the reason why i want to be a mail carrier because you can get up at one in the morning and then you get done by eight o'clock so then you could just go home like yeah my mom's like all you did today is nap i'm like yeah it's just it's (laughs) when i go like i'll go to the grocery store at two in the morning but i won't go to the grocery store in the middle of the day only on the concept of you see so much aggression through people and there's definitely two types of people in the world the ones that work out at the gym at like three in the morning that are either too smart to talk to people where they start talking and you're like oh shit you sir are an Elon Musk and the guy's just like, (laughs) yeah, I don't know how to dumb it down anymore for you. Sorry, buddy. Or you're the type of person that just doesn't hate people, but knows the pain that people are going through on a daily basis and finds it too draining on themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And the people that you let into your life are always going to affect you. So if you hang out with a lot of people who are emotionally draining and, you know, all about drama or can't seem to get their life together, that can genuinely start to drag you down after a while. You know, you really got to also have a couple of good people in your life, people that you can look up to. You know, I have, I have plenty of friends that are even younger than me or something, but they might be more successful, whatever that means. Like I look up to people that are younger than me as much as I do older. So it's not about, you know, who this person is in your life originally, but, you know, find a couple of people that, when you hang around them, you feel it get lifted. And that's something that Nick in my podcast does. Uh, my co-host, he, when I'm around him, it always lifts my mood. It always puts me in that comedic mindset to stop me from dragging the whole show to a screeching halt when I go on a tangent about, you know, what an empath means or whatever, you know? So it's, it's good to also make sure you are a little bit selective about who you really let in and make sure you spend as much time with people that can lift you up as people who need stuff from you you know i think it's definitely a lot of time it takes a little bit of unwinding i think a lot of people are becoming more empaths just on the concept of we feel like we're being subjugated and kind of suppressed in a way you know why is it as soon as you get off work you have all this energy at work of what you're going to do when you get off of this shift and then yeah. as soon as you walk through the door all you want to do is lie down in your room and watch netflix you don't want to go do anything else because anything else seems too tasking i gotta drive my car to my buddy's house and then i get to hang out with them i'd rather just sit at home i'm home now and it makes it difficult to keep those relationships with your friends last unless you plan something out and when you give yourself like a podcast like yourself and you have a date that you're going to have a record recording time. You have it scheduled, but you also feel like you have a reliance to the people to make sure that that thing happens. So you have some type of thing that's kicking you in the ass to get you going and making sure it happens. You can't just be like that random text that I'm pretty sure a lot of people do. Like when I first did my podcast was starting with people coming over to my house. I was literally like, Hey man, want to do a podcast? They're like, what? Like, it's, it's nice to meet you. I'm like, yeah, man. Yeah. You live like down the street from me. I know we never talk, but come on over. It's like, you're not worried. I'm a serial killer. Eh, if you're <laughs> a serial killer, I'll risk it. But yeah, if, what are the odds? We have both serial killers. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you got bodies in the basement. I got bodies in the basement. <laughs> uh, what's the worst? Hey, what's the best way to get a dead body smell out of the house? Oh, Febreze. Okay, cool. Um, well, I, I tell them, I'm like, when you're, when I was inviting these people over and I was just conversating with them, you get literally, it's like, get, it's hard to get those people motivated to even show up last minute. I'd have people like, sorry, can't make it out tonight, bro. And I guarantee you they were just going out and drinking because going out yeah. and drinking is way funner than just hanging out with people and having a normal conversation because they seem like that's the only thing they can do. I saw, I always wondered why people my age were drinking so much around here. And then when I turned 21, I still haven't even bought a legal drink yet. I've been 20 for almost a year now. I don't plan on doing it because I had a bad experience through my childhood with alcohol. It affected my life very heavily. So I stayed away from it. I see it as a benefit too. 
my best friend who when we podcasted on New Year's Day or not New Year's Day, New Year's Eve, it was that was my birthday. Okay. We're sitting there drinking and smoking and we're watching the ball drop. But at the same time, he wasn't able to come to this realization or conversation, be able to say what he wanted to say. Or now I cannot talk to him for months and I still know he's my best fucking friend. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's an important person to keep around because, you know, the, the longer you go and the more your group of friends shifts, um, the more that you're going to end up having those friends. And one of my best friends, her name is Sky, and she did a great episode on my show. Um, but she, she's one of those people that sometimes, you know, two, three months might go by, don't really say a whole lot, and then we'll meet up. And I don't drink either, but a lot of my friends do, and I used to be a bartender. So I have no problem going out and like meeting people at bars or whatever. So I would do that. And yeah, it's like there was no time that it elapsed. You know, it's you can pick right up where you left off. And those are some fantastic friends to have. It's those like, formative yeah. moments you get at like two o'clock in the morning at a bonfire. Like yeah. moments you don't know exactly what's said, but you know that that, that person's going to be your best friend in your life forever, basically. And you know that they would always have your back. Now, you said your, your friend's name was Sky. Yeah, this particular friend, yeah. Now, I'm not stealing your story, but my buddy on my first episode, his name's Skylar. So, uh, oh, we, that's funny. We were podcasting on New Year's Eve. He, It's literally recorded. I have this all down. He wanted me to delete it. I said, hell no. Uh, the whole concept <laughs> of we're literally sitting there on my birthday and drinking just Jack Daniels. And he just looks down and goes like, I think it's like an hour and a half in. And he goes, hey, did I spill something on myself? And I'm like, no, why? And I'm like sitting there and he just goes, I think I pissed myself. I'm like, <laughs> what? And he just starts laughing. I'm like, how drunk are you? Goes, I'm not gonna lie. He just goes, I'm not gonna lie. I'm pretty fucked up. I'm like, that's not his personality. He's like, in the beginning of the podcast, he's just like, one word answers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, but when I get him off mic, he's able to talk his ass off. I'm like, why don't you just bring this stuff up when we're talking about it? He goes, eh, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, and that that's that's a real hurdle. I mean, we've been fortunate enough to not really have any guests that have done the word, one word answer thing, at least not you know consistently. Um, so that's been something fortunate that we've avoided. But you can't always, especially when you don't have a co-host. So I'm sure that you've had to run into that particular issue a lot more than we ever would. I usually try and stick to something they know a lot about or they're passionate about because you find yeah. everybody has a passion for something and once they start talking about it they don't know how to stop talking about it it's like being vegan you always kind of yeah. mention it and i'm like <laughs> but it's true like I, I i think it's interesting like i like seeing what people are interested in before i used to have uh, another podcast uh that kind of came out after this one did and it was called fill in the blank. We would focus on specific topics. But all those topics mm. we talked about were just stuff that my buddies wanted to know more about. I found that I was always trying to kind of put up this podcast every couple of days. Um, but it was hard trying to get people to come over, just random people, and always have new content. So yeah. I found out I was being too reliable and people were, were kind of a little bit unreliable. So mm -hmm. I decided to do this spinoff and I was like, what are you interested in? Like, tell me. And I was thinking he was going to be like, I like sports. I like, uh, you know, I like skating, but no, he was like, I'm interested in 19th century Victorian surgery. I'm like, Whoa. fuck, what does that, <laughs> what does that do? What, what can I, so I just typed into Wikipedia. Like I need to know everything about 19th century Victorian surgery. Next thing I know, I ended up sending me to a Joe Rogan podcast that I guess I must've missed in all my podcasts I've listened to with Joe Rogan. <laughs> Lindsay Fitzharris. And she talked about a book called the art of butchery. And then I started learning everything about Robert Liston and, uh, Joseph Lister, these guys that were basically the formative creationists in like just a met modern day medicine, what it is today, you know, yeah. and they didn't have it right, obviously, but they had a, a start of what it is now where sanitation is seen better. And I started talking to him in this podcast, just 30 minutes. And then my one buddy goes, I'm interested in weird history. I'm like, did you know cornflakes was invented to prevent masturbation? He goes, what? And then I gave him this <laughs> 30 minute article on it, but we also made it fun. Like I'd be sitting there eating raisin bran. He goes, how are you feeling? I'm like, I don't want to masturbate, but I also don't feel comfortable because my mouth hurts from chewing on broken glass. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, man. I don't know if cornflakes could work because as soon as I start eating them, the first thing I'm thinking about is whacking off. It's the pe- it's <laughs> the new cornflakes because they put sugar in it. Sir Harvey Kellogg in 1945 believed that if you sugar was linked to passions increasing, he said that if you gave a society a bunch of sugar, they were immediately going to want to masturbate more. He was seen as an anti-masturbator type guy, and so he believed if you make cornflakes, which he produced the original, um, horny. It's his name is Corny the Rooster. But uh, hmm. is that little green rooster on the front fun fact? <laughs> but um, he believed that if you added sugar to the recipe, it was going to cause people to masturbate. So he made a bland cereal, and he thought that, that that was linked to it. I'm like, that's the same thing when I saw the meme of for parents that wanted to stop their kids from masturbating by getting this thing that tied them up in the position of a cross called the anti-masturbation cross. And it literally <laughs> said at the bottom of it, to stop your seven-year-old from truly experiencing himself. I'm like, well, that's the fun part about it. You're supposed to do it twice. 20 times until it hurts not when you're seven you're not (laughs) we might have had different childhood (laughs) we must have man and i i mean i grew up in a house that was big enough and weird enough that i never would have had time to discover anything like that until i realized you could take a 20 minute shower in high school and your mom wouldn't even notice yeah it's like blowing (laughs) blowing your hair with the hair dryer and you have like really short ass hair it's like what the fuck you need a hair dryer for (laughs) parents know what you're doing and like usually one of your parents will crack a usually it's the dad will crack like a reference like you're taking really long showers i'm like i'm fucking dirty like i'm a child but really no you're dirty and all another i'm i'm dirty i'm very dirty it's like when you're although you Yes, saying that to your dad is a little creepy, though. <laughs> it's like when it's your dad hands you a Playboy magazine, don't let these pages get stuck together. Uh-huh. And then you're, like, you're like, what? And then like he walks out of the room, and then like you think about it later, like, that motherfucker knows I'm going to masturbate to this later. <laughs> my dad was so bad at that, like, because uh, he and my mom split when I was five, so it was a very different upbringing. But then, like, you know, age 11 or so, he tried to give me the talk, you know, the, the birds and the bees talk. And his version was to basically meet up with me outside the house down at this beach he lived near. So he sends me there, tells me to wait for him. He shows up, which is already just weird to me. And uh, and then he sits on the piece of driftwood next to me and he says, well, if you're going to have sex, wear a condom. And the first time you get drunk, I want it to be at my house so I can laugh at you while you're puking. And that was it. That was the entire sex talk. <laughs> I, I think that's like, it's, it's really, really weird to know when to bring that into a conversation. Like, when is your kid experiencing that? I thought yeah. it was even weirder when my parents were like, I'll buy you condoms on the concept of I'm not ready to be a grandparent yet. And I obviously don't think you should be breeding at this point. <laughs> I'm like, is it because I'm not smart enough? They're like, I'm not saying you're not smart enough, but five minutes ago, you stuck a fork in a toaster. So yeah. <laughs> like, well, my toast got stuck. They're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> well, the, and here, here's the big secret that your parents and all, all, all adults everywhere don't want you to know until you're a little bit later in life. And that is that no one has their life together when they have a kid. You know, I, I'm lucky enough that I haven't had one because I haven't, you know, found a good stable environment for one yet. But I have so many friends who do. And the thing they all have in common is they were all terrified as fuck when it happened. None of them felt prepared. And you realize that nobody can be prepared until you jump in. And so, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's something that you want to take precautions to avoid until you're ready. But don't ever think that people are just like, oh, well, our retirement plan has paid off nicely and our mortgage is reasonable. It is time to have a child now. Some in the stork, you know, it's, it, that's not how it works. People are always terrified when they get that news. They freak out for nine months. then you're a parent that there is no like application process or anything nobody's ready for it and uh you know when you do have that you'll be fucking scared too i'm sure but you know so do you believe that the first child's a bit of a test run like it's kind of like trying to get the grounds of what it means to be a parent like the things and you see your second child that kind of comes through you don't love them any more or love them any less you just you have a better understanding of what's going to happen and what you need to be doing as a parent whether you're kind of like the first one like you knew some things you probably shouldn't have did and then you know some things that you need to be doing 
Yeah, yeah. Um, like, I can't speak from direct experience, again, because I'm not one, but I'm the oldest of four kids in my family, and two of my brothers are seven and ten years younger than me. So it was almost, you, you, you got parental rights or, like, responsibilities with a younger sibling like that. So you, you get some experience, but it's absolutely true that it's a test run because parents are so scared that anything they do is going to hurt the kid or will mess them up for life. And then by kid four, they, you know, they're letting them run into tables and letting them cry it out instead of picking them up and, you know, oh, everything's going to be okay. You know, parents lose a lot of that overprotectiveness when they realize that it's unnecessary. And I think that is one main reason why oldest kids are always so different from the youngest in their family, because their parents are literally different people by the time, you, you know, you've had a much younger child. I think a lot of times people lose the aspect, like people don't believe that uh, during your formative moments when you're a kid, when you're basically like Play-Doh, like you're basically being morphed and formed by everything around you, that no. um, that truly impacts your life when you become an adult. The fact I still can barely screw in a light bulb without thinking I'm going to burn my hand because I was a little, <laughs> and my grandfather said, don't touch the light bulb. And then my ass went, okay. And then I go to touch the light bulb, burn my hand. And he goes, yeah. I'm like, you could have stopped me. He goes, I, I, you have to figure it out on your own. Like, yeah. you know, I understand that if you keep your hand too long enough on it, it's going to burn you. And then my dumb ass started spraying aloe lotion all over my hand to stop the burning like it was a sunburn. And that's how you actually discovered masturbating. Yeah, well, <laughs> I felt like if I sat on my hand long enough, eventually there I went. Yeah, and, and, it, and it feels like it's someone else's hand at that point, too. Honestly, I don't do it that often. I think it's probably been a couple of months. I just see. I, I have another way of getting my kind of fuel out. Uh, a lot of people that experience working out like sufficiently, like mm -hmm. I, I've done it every day for seven years and haven't missed a day, and I have literally leg legit no crave for it at all. That was actually one of the mm -hmm. problems that broke up with one of my ex girlfriends. I'm going to bring that one into the podcast. Oh, change it up a little bit. But yeah. She was like, you're going to the gym right now? I was like, yeah. And she's like, can't you just sit and eat Ben and Jerry's with me? I was like, two reasons there's a problem with that. One, <laughs> gym is life. And two, I am lactose sensitive. So it's going to be hell on all of us if I eat ice cream. So Yeah, let me go fart this out at the gym. <laughs> yo, and mine aren't even the good ones. Mine are ones that like I've been woken up at 3 o'clock in the morning in a separate part of the house where someone's come upstairs like you need to go outside. I'm like, but it's three in the morning and it's snowing out. I don't care. I don't care. And I'm like, sorry. But I, I tell people, I'm like, when you like for me, going to the gym, doing these types of things, that was stuff I experienced through my childhood of being bullying. So I became addicted to it, to an over addiction with it, where I feel if I don't go, I'm not right with myself. It's like checking my phone in the morning. It's the very first thing I do. And when I, when I do this, it is a sense of release though. And like what the problems with the relationship was like, you never, ever seem like you're interested. I'm like, I am, but I'm more interested into the person. I'm more interested yeah. into the connection now. Like when I could easily go out and just start hitting on random girls and hook up with whoever I wanted to, but I don't choose to do that because I legit say, and people look at my age and they immediately assume I'm just a liar. And it's just the concept of, I truly want to find someone I can connect and don't mind actually living with or spending any amount of time with without wanting to get something out of it. Like if you, we've all had those experiences or those types of moments where we only connect on one thing and that is sex. The whole factor is you go and talk to that person and it's like talking to a wall. Like it's like, yeah. okay, yeah. All right. And it's like, are you going to give me anything? Like, what are you interested in? Do you like cats? I, f I don't like cats. It's like, oh my God, can we just fucking like, let's just get it out and just <laughs> my day. And I'm like, yeah, that's what creates a toxic relationship too. You find couples only truly connect on one thing and that's just like a sexual relationship. And then next thing you know, they're like, what are we going to do with the other amount of time we're here together? Yeah, and I think that's why friend with benefits situations became so popular is because people truly realize, you know, and it doesn't always work quite that way, but people truly realize like maybe we're not good in a relationship, but we can still enjoy the sexual aspect of this and then not 
have to answer to all those other standards of having a label on this, you know, just be friends and cool. I'll see you next week, buddy kind of thing. But, you know, and, and that can be fun for a while, but yeah, it also leaves you still wanting that intimate connection, you know, the ability to come home and actually want to tell someone how your day was and to genuinely want to hear how theirs was and not just, Oh, it was nice out. And I had a good lunch, but like the, the real shit, like, Oh, I didn't feel so hot this morning. I was a little down on myself. And then this happened and it picked me right up. You know, when you find that level of connection where you actually want to hear that instead of just asking to be polite, then that's when you really start to get to the good stuff in a person. I think that's a lot of the reason why people are like, I want to get a girl that plays video games because they, <laughs> they think that's like the most realist thing, like a girl that's going to waste their time playing games or something. I'm like, the hot, actually, there's a high percentage of girls. There's actually more girl gamer players than guys, only on the concept of they enjoy them too. I think a lot of people hear it like, that's not something a girl likes to do. I'm like, actually, it is. Um, it's actually enjoyable to not put this fake persona on because I think it's more objectified towards women to act and look a certain way than it is for guys. Like, if you're a guy and you're going into work, you don't even have to take a shower. You just put a shirt on and go and spray a little bit of deodorant on you. But a girl has to put on either makeup, has to do these types of things. I tell girls, like, don't wear makeup around me, please. Like, why? I'm like, because you're giving me a really false image of who you are. Now, Next thing I know, I'm like, you have a mole on the side of your face? Like, yeah, I just had makeup on before. I'm like, oh, shit, I got to back out of this. <laughs> yeah, that, that's been right in line. I, I, I never quite had this put into words, but I always believed this, and that is men and women, we're all liars, but we lie about different things. Women are liars in the preparation. Men are liars in the execution. So women, they put most of their lies or accenting you know exaggerating certain features or whatever there's a lot of makeup push-up bras the certain do these jeans make my ass look good whatever there's a lot they're trying to put themselves together in a certain way but once that's together and they're with you women are a lot more genuine than men are because that's where men start going okay my insecurities say that i can't tell her about this this or this yet that's stuff you saved for like six months down the road and so we start to put up you know, the same types of things, but on a mental level. So, you know, it's just all about which lies you can recognize that you tell yourself and how you can avoid that. And when you're totally honest, people assume you're lying anyway. It's the most aggravating thing. But if you're honest, at least you never have to remember what you told someone, you'll just know it was always the truth, you know? What would you say the easiest fix for people would be? Well, it's different for every person. Like I, I genuinely had this issue for a long time. And what I ended up doing, I got a sleeve tattoo that is a whole bunch of like thorns and stuff like that. It, it's a big thorn bush that wraps all the way up my left arm. Not for everybody. I know that. But this was my solution. And what that means is that if you equate a person to like a rose in this context, People love to make sure that you see the pedals. The pedals are the good things about you. Oh, I'm great at sports. Oh, I have a lot of money, whatever it is. They always focus on that, but the thorns are always hiding beneath. And that's, that's what people usually try to cover up. So I got this tattoo to remind myself, you have to be real at all times. Even if it's one of your thorns about to show, like make sure you're real, make sure you're honest. Do your best to always be honest with people because every time I've lied in my life, which is a lot, it has always blown up so badly in my face that like, I, I just want to avoid that. So whatever it is, just find some kind of a reminder that in any situation, you're, it's good enough if you're just yourself, you know? It's all about displaying the true image of yourself. It's about being a, literally keeping it 100. And yeah. people don't do that. People are not real anymore because they're afraid that realness is going to affect just how people view them. People are more willing to play this character and this act and make themselves miserable than truly aspire to what they want to be and be the person who they're meant to be or who they yeah. are. Yeah, that that's exactly it. And you know, I, I don't like to keep sounding like the old bastard in this conversation, but like a lot of these are lessons that didn't really happen for me until much later in life. And, uh, you know, but they, they've meant the world to me because I used to genuinely feel like I had two faces or two masks. 
And I grew up very Protestant Christian, and I was always trying to be one way in front of those people. But then there was a whole more realistic side to me that didn't really believe in all that or didn't really want to maintain that image. And it's taken a lot of years of conscious effort, you know, kind of like with you going to the gym every single day for years, I've had to wake up every single day and be like, dude, it's okay to be honest. It's okay to be you. You're good enough. And if someone doesn't like you for you, that's better than them liking you for what you're not, you know? Yeah. Life is a constant like experience. It's a constant process. Leonardo da Vinci said it best. He said that art is never finished, just left undone because he believes you're constantly making adjustments and working on things until your very last day on earth. And I think that's true. You're constantly learning. You're constantly having new ideas, new thoughts, new experiences, new problems every single day. So you can't truly consider yourself fulfilled ever in life you have to keep on pursuing and wanting more but at the same time making sure that you're being who you truly want to be yeah and and i think that's why people like you and me end up starting podcasts or being fascinated with real conversation is because you know that that's that needs not being met anywhere else you know and this is a great way to really try to refocus and to analyze these types of things you know people I, I almost envy people who just go about their day thinking nothing other than like, oh, I like this song on the radio. Oh, it's nice out, blah, blah, blah. Like I envy that because in my life, it's always a constant Ferris wheel of insecurities, neuroses, and analyzing the world, analyzing conversations I've had. The, the wheel never stops. So when I started a podcast, I really started to break down life and analyze these things and started to figure out what I believed that they meant or what they were. And that's a great thing about this format. It really lets you explore that in conversations and just taking unfinished ideas and presenting them, getting feedback on them and letting other people hear it too. And maybe that's a starting point to get them to analyze the world a little bit closer, you know? Plus you see someone's true self unravel in a podcast. They can't play a character the full length, at least for one of my episodes. I've seen people get exposed to the real them and they're like, oh wait, this is the real side of me. I'm like, then everything before this is what I'm going to cut out. I want to make sure I get <laughs> feel you. I want to make sure I get the person that I'm inviting onto the podcast, not this fake image display person. And yeah. that's where the real conversation happens, when you can truly let down your guard and just feel comfortable again. I think the best thing for people to do is just understand that there's going to be people that you're going to agree with. There's people that you're going to be disagree with, but don't turn it into a thing and think that you're alone in this world. Realize everybody's got their own thoughts. Everybody's got their own problems. We're all working through this life together. We might as well just be ourselves. You know, if someone doesn't like it, then just don't associate with them. It doesn't mean you have to completely change your views or change your image. Just make sure you're not bothering them with it and do your own what makes you happy. You know, you like yeah. building Ikea furniture just because I don't like you because you think you're better than me. I think that you should just do whatever makes you happy. Yeah, yeah. And some people, they like to repurpose old you know, pallets and turn that into furniture. Some people like to buy it. Some people try and find it for free online. Like, and that's just for furniture. Everyone, everyone's life is this constantly growing algorithm of decisions that you've made that are informing whatever the next decision is. And yeah, there's just so many differences on that. And uh, I, I'm kind of rambling at this point because I just started to sort of lose my train of thought on that point. <laughs> but it's 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 not really losing a train of thought. It's just the whole concept of like it's so much easier to be able to tell people that to be fucking real, but then you won't even go and do it yourself. Me, I try and be as real. Yeah, as possible. and anytime I go ahead. No, 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 please. Oh, uh, I was I mean, like anytime I try and be real, I try and be real in my every single day life. I do my best towards it. But there are times like I, I hear something in my head, I'm like, man, I don't think that's right. And I'll just sit there and try and understand somebody and think it, even though I have stuff in my own head where I'm like, I can't follow that, man. I can't do that. That's crazy. You like what? You like cornflakes? Nah, raisin brands the shit. But <laughs> I understand that that's something inside myself. I'm gonna constantly keep learning and I'm gonna constantly keep 
keep experiencing people's decisions and thoughts on the world because it's interesting and it's only turning me into a better person. I'm glad I found this out at the young age of 20, you know, yeah. I wish I would have found it out sooner, but I'm glad it happened now rather than later. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll tell you this too. Like I, I've lost a lot of friends in my life and I've seen friendships disappear between other people. No one ever lost a friendship over telling the truth. It's always, you know, you lie and then you have to cover it up and then you might end up telling the truth eventually, but it's really the lie you told that cost you the friendship. Like I've had to tell some friends some really hard truths that I worried we're going to ruin everything. And it didn't. In fact, it made things better. Even when it was the hardest thing I ever had to say to someone, you know, once I had to tell one of my best friends that I found out that her boyfriend cheated on her. And that was really difficult because I just did not want to have to tell that to anyone ever. I didn't know if it was my place. There was a lot of doubt, but I'd been holding that secret in and I, I just couldn't do it. So I, I told her and it ended up making us even better friends after that. And it didn't end up even being a big deal down the road, but like, always be honest, even if you're worried that someone's going to be mad or something like, okay, let them be mad. That's their right. But no one's going to want to write you out of their life because you were honest with them, but they will do it if you lie to them. You know what I mean? It's all about the truth, man. It's, it's, yeah. It's, it's hard to hear. But like Jack Nicholson said it best, you can't handle the truth. Well, you know what? If your <laughs> truth can't be handled, then you're just it's it's gone down a road a little too far and you should probably turn around. I definitely think yeah. that um, if anybody's going to take anything away from this podcast, it has gone from a crazy sexual stories to just uh, an understanding of how people need to start being a little bit more real in life. And Jesse, I want to give you here a minute at the end to be able to promote your podcast. I want people to be able to follow your stuff. I'm definitely going to check out episodes and listen to some, and hopefully you might need a guest or something on because I'll be more than willing to help out. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have you on. Um, we're going to finish up season two in probably a month or so. And we're, we try to save any big changes on the show for in between quote unquote seasons but season three is when we're going to start doing Skype guests on it. And uh, so I definitely want to get you in when we start season three. Um, it's called Cheeky Shenanigans. We're on YouTube, so you can see a video version like Joe Rogan does. Um, but nowhere near as good. <laughs> and, uh, and then we're also on iTunes and Spotify. Um, just uh, Instagram at Cheeky Shenanigans Podcast. We just we try to talk just like this and have great real conversations through a more con comedy focused lens. And, uh, and that's, that's what we like to do. And it's been a thrill to be able to actually talk to you on your show and get to know you a little bit also. Hopefully I sounded a little bit intelligible. I know I crack a lot about Raisin Bran, but let me tell you something. Two scoops will change anybody's life. They, they, those two scoops must have done something very awful to you because you definitely are hard on Raisin Bran. <laughs> I, I I wouldn't say I don't know Frosted Flakes, Raisin Bran, all those cereals. I really enjoy them. I eat them probably. My guilty pleasure is cereal every single day. It's like a handful with every meal. My mom's like, "You're putting Raisin Bran on salad." I'm like, "Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty, good. It's pretty good." You eat salads every single day for seven years. You start learning what your spice cabinet can do for you. You know, and, you know, it's just it all goes down to the same place, and if you know. If my I have, I have a monstrous shit afterwards, that's okay. We're we're all right. Yeah, we'll get. It's the it. price you pay. It's the price you pay for beauty. It's the price you pay for that beautiful sun on the front of the box that smiles at you, knowing that you're going to be hurting later in life. <laughs> and so by later in life, you mean in four hours. Basically, yes. When that fiber gets <laughs> sufficient into my bloodstream. Well, Jesse, thank you so much for being on my podcast, man. It was cool being able to talk to you, dude. You too, Robbie. Thanks for having me on. Uh, we'll definitely get you set up on ours also. Right on.